Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode. I'm having a tough time. I'm having a tough time getting words to flow out of my mouth. Because for whatever reason, Tuesdays, they take the life out of me. They take the absolute life out of me. I woke up this morning. I went and I got a bagel. And cream cheese, man. Cream cheese is something that you can't be active and eat. If you eat cream cheese at 7 a.m., you can't do anything until at least 1 p.m. And I don't make that rule. That's just how the universe works, okay? Cream cheese is just really just kind of good tasting fat. Especially on top of a bagel. Oh my god. I get a bagel called a fire salt bagel. And I don't know what it is. But it's hot. And it's toasty. And it's kind of spicy. And they put that fatty cream cheese on it. And I just like to eat it. Oh, and I get myself a, a venti americano from Starbucks. Because I'm a white girl. And oh my god. Eat that. Combine with that cream cheese. Combine with that fire salt bagel. Combine with that spicy bagel. And that just puts me out for the day. It's really hard for me to get going after I eat those items. But I have to eat them. Because it's how I survive. I need things to eat and drink. And I can't just drink water. Because if I don't have coffee by noon, I have an aneurysm. And again, that's not a rule that I make. I don't like living this way. That's what the universe has given me. Coffee by 12. Or aneurysm. That's just how it goes. Welcome to the show. My name's Brendan. Today on the podcast, I sit down with the great Nate Stewart. Great Nate, as we call him. And we talk about the Crew Dragon missions to the ISS. So SpaceX recently had some demonstration missions. And later this year, they will begin flying humans into space off of American soil for the first time in a long time. We talk about what that could mean and, and how we plan on doing that and how they plan on doing that. We talk about the Opportunity Rover, which died earlier this year. The Opportunity Rover on Mars was commissioned for 90 days. Lasted for many, many years. And finally succumbed to its unfortunate death. We talk about the Lunar Gateway. A plan that NASA has to put a space station orbiting around the moon. What implications could that have? Can it do anything? I'm a critic. Okay, and many, many other people are a critic. And we talk about why NASA is doing this to begin with. If it can teach us anything, if we can learn anything from it. Talk about Hayabusa 2. It's a return mission, asteroid return mission. It's a space mission by Japan. They'll be landing a spacecraft on an asteroid and trying to return some samples from that asteroid so we can learn more about what asteroids are made of, what the composition is like. We talk about that, and we talk about a bunch of other things in spaceflight community. I, I like to bring Nate on like once a month, and we sit down and we talk about these things, but i got to be honest with you. In this episode, maybe you wouldn't even be able to tell if I didn't mention it, but I feel the need to mention it. I was a little out of it in terms of my ability to articulate, in terms of my ability to conversate, because for whatever reason lately, I've been feeling not like I don't want to talk about science. I do want to talk about science. I think that it's good to talk about science. It's what I'm here for. It's what this podcast does. Okay? I recently noticed that I was featured as one of the top 10 science podcasts on Spreaker.com. Spreaker. I didn't even know people used that website. 
And so that gave me a lot of joy. But the point is, sometimes when it comes to talking about science, there are things stewing in the back of my head that I would rather talk about. Things like mental health, things like drug addiction, things like growing up in single-parent households, things like feeling down on yourself, things like being depressed, having anxiety, things like how you deal with having a broken family. There are things that I'd rather articulate at the time than science. I think science plays a very important role in all of our lives, but I think that there are more things. I, th I would like to talk about opioid addiction. I would like to talk about having friends who've committed suicide. I would like to talk about suicidal thoughts. There are so many things sometimes. It's hard for me to get into science space when I'm thinking about some of these things. And on this particular Sunday when we recorded this episode, I was thinking about those things. I was thinking about how I would like to articulate my unique experience in this world in a better way than I do. I would like to articulate with other people who've struggled, who are drug addicts, who have recovered, what their life is like, why they went down that road. And sometimes it's so hard for me to silence that voice in my head because that voice is powerful and I think that it has to be talked about and I don't talk about it enough and I'd like to start doing it more but anyway I hope that you enjoyed the episode I hope that you can learn a lot next month on the podcast we got a Nobel laureate coming on I hope you're looking forward to that if you're out there listening let me know who you are I don't get many messages from people who are just letting me know who they are, why they're listening, if, they, if they're learning. I'm starting to upload clips, short clips. Those are actually incredibly popular so far. I only uploaded two. So that hopefully, if you're not the type of person that likes long-form podcasts, then you can listen to those 7-10 to 10 minute clips and learn something and then go about your day. So hopefully you've been enjoying those too. And with that being said, people, man... Sometimes I just got to sit back and remind myself that I need to do more to articulate the things I've experienced in my life. There's, been, be there's been a lot of happenings. A lot of stuff has been going on. Space flight community, I think. Yeah. Since you were here. For a busy two months. Yeah, the saddest thing of them all has to be that the Opportunity Rover has officially died. It is dead. I felt dead a little bit of sadness. Now. Yeah, I mean, that was part of our, our uh, exploration for what, 14 years? Yeah, and how I long think. was it actually commissioned for initially? It was you know? 90 days. That 90 days? <laughs> yeah. And it lasted for 14 years? Yeah, uh, I think Spirit was, was like, they were twins, right? So Spirit was there just before, I think. And that one was also about 90 days, and that one lasted seven years maybe i don't remember a I'm long time I'm, i actually didn't know that and i'm actually like literally amazed by that yeah this is a normal thing though for nasa yeah like i mean what chandra the chandra x-ray telescope was commissioned for five years it's going on 20 the hubble yeah. space telescope was commissioned for like five years and it's going on you know decades now yeah actually also coming up on 20 soon yeah so this is that's amazing though yeah. 90 days. Now, does that have to do with how long they think it will last, or does that have to do with how long the funding will last? 
Uh, I believe it's how long it, they think it will last. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure because they fund it sort of indefinitely. So, like Curiosity, I just read was commissioned for I don't know a year or something like that, and started in May, and then in December of that same year, they just they just funded it indefinitely. Just so basically, as long as it's going to go, we'll keep having people support it. Huh. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a very expensive thing to support a rover or a or a satellite. No, it really just comes down to having the personnel yeah. to, you know, handle relay communications. With, with yeah. telescopes, it's a little bit harder because you have to have, like, you know, droves of people willing to look at proposals and divvy up telescope time to people. And you have to have, like, a real big infrastructure to do all that. But with a, with a rover, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. You essentially just need like a small team of, of people to sit around. But in twenty eighteen, for people who don't know why it died, there was a like a planet wide dust storm and we lost communications with it. It went into hibernation, which to my understanding mm-hmm. means it just shuts itself off. Yeah, it's hopes, like low power mode basically. It hopes that the storm passes. And then we were and unable to off its solar panels. Yep. We were unable to reestablish a connection with it. So either the solar panels got covered up with dust to the point where they couldn't be cleaned or it had some catastrophic failure. We don't know, but we know that it died. I think we know where it died, right? Yeah, it's Perseverance Valley, I think it was. Yeah, now this it's, is I actually... I guess a little ironic. <laughs> this is really cool. That is ironic. But because I, I said this before, and I think this is going to be something we see in our lifetime, they will rescue the Opportunity Rover from Mars. And it will be yeah. preserved in a museum somewhere. Yeah, that's really cool to think of. Like yeah. if you could imagine I, what if, if you could what imagine taking if, uh, yeah, taking yeah. your grandchildren. T- stop! If you talk over me one more time, <laughs> okay. you're yeah, dead. I'll stop. I'll, stop. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll murder you. Okay. Oh, oh my! So you want to be like opportunity? Zipping my lips. Yeah, throwing away the key. Shut your mouth. So here's <laughs> what I was saying. Imagine taking your grandkids. Yeah, but what really excites me. I'm going to murder everyone, <laughs> including myself. I'm not murdering anyone, okay? I don't believe in murder. Unless it's Punxsutawney Phil, that dumb shit. Got the weather wrong. Sees his shadow. Convinces everyone we're going to have summertime. It's still snowing out. Feels that's, like summer down here. That's besides the point. But what were you, Elaborate on your point. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm excited to see the Apollo landings preserved. I want them to put, like, a big dome over them or something so no one can ever mess with them, and then you can go walk by and look at them. Yeah, you're going to hate me when I say this, but I was in London, and I went to the Science Museum, and they have something preserved in the London Science Museum. It's like a lander. I don't know which, because I'm not a big space flight aficionado like yourself, but uh, Dr. Fisher, David Fisher, who was on the show, he doesn't fly. He refuses to fly. He doesn't like flying. I don't know why. He has his own reasons. But he, that's the one that he never got to see because it's in London, naturally. So he made me take 45 pictures of that and send it to him (laughs) so that he could archive those images. Now, I don't know what lander it is. I don't know what, um, it was a splashdown vessel. I don't know what the proper terminology is there. But it was one of those off of one of the missions, and it's preserved in the London Science Museum. It's really cool. It's really cool. I have really so wait, cool so pictures of it. Was it one of the the command modules? It might have been. It looked uh, it looked very similar to the. Uh, is it is it a capsule? Is that... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. it was a it's a really cool thing. You could see like the the burn marks all over it. You could yeah. see on the underbelly they I don't know what they coat it with, but they coat it with some, you know, high thermal yeah. something with the, high uh, thermal the heat properties. Shield. Yeah. And you could see where parts of the heat shield had been eaten through by yeah. by the entry, and you could see where parts yeah. had stayed. It was actually a really cool thing. And I'm not big for I'm not one that's big on museums, but I think as I get older and I can start to see like the things that happened in my lifetime preserved in museums, I'll start to like it a little bit more. And that's yeah. that's really cool to me because I will I do think that we will see the Opportunity rover and the other rovers preserved in museums either on Earth or on Mars mm-hmm. in the next 100 years. They uh they have a um... The capsule from, I think it's Apollo 17, is here in Houston, at Space Center Houston. Uh, and you can see the same thing. You can see the burn marks on the on the bottom. And how small it was. Man, three guys sitting next to each other in, the, in that capsule. Yeah. So it's really cool. Thing. That's got to be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want to be, I would like to go to space. I think that would be cool. I even think that if I play my career trajectory out right, I could go to space in my lifetime, you know, or I could just get rich and buy a ticket. That's possible yeah. too. And we've talked that's about sort of space commerce and where it'll go before, but that's got to be terrifying. Imagine <laughs> getting blasted off in a rocket. The scariest part might be the fact that you start, do you start off like laying like seated, but laying on your back? You're facing. Of? Yeah. You're yeah. facing up and then you just go. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so all that power kind of drives you into your seat. That's really cool. I want to. I'm down. I'm sold. We there was something else really cool. The Crew Dragon Demo One. First off, oh, first yes. off, yes. do you know why it's named the Dragon? I don't know why it's named the Dragon. Okay, do you know what? I just learned this. Yes. So it's named the Dragon after Puff the Magic Dragon. Do you know what <laughs> Puff the Magic Dragon is? Yeah, the song. He yes. lives by the sea. Yes. Puff the Magic Dragon is like a bunch of innuendos to being high, essentially. Okay? When Elon Musk started SpaceX, people told him he was high if he thought he would be able to achieve all the things he said he could. He named the the dragon, the dragon, it, because of that. Because he, he was making a, a, a funny sort of slight, a reference to the fact that people told him that. People in government told him that. People in the industry told him that. They're like, you're crazy. You're high. There's no way you're going to do this. And yeah. so he named the dragon that because huh. to, for that symbolism. Interesting. Uh, it's funny because he succeeded in all that. And at the same time, he did get high on, uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he got high. He though, got right? the best of both worlds. He like he didn't inhale. His stock dropped yeah, he just, he just million points. Yeah. He's being like investigated for security clearance stuff oh now. Oh my god, I saw. I saw that. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Even though weed is legal in California and many other states, how weird is it that we're going to get to a point very soon where half of this country has legalized weed at the state level, and yet the federal <laughs> government, if they wanted to, could still prosecute you for it? Yeah, like if they wanted to, they could walk to a dispensary in California. And arrest the person who's who owns it, and mm-hmm. and try them in federal court because they're selling weed. We're in 2019. <laughs> this like boggles my brain. I don't get it. 
I don't understand <laughs> it. I don't understand why being, you would want to make money. Uh, it's being stubborn. I just don't want to admit. I mean, Canada got to figure it out, it seems like. You can order, you can go online and order weed in the mail on Canada. <laughs> they will ship you, they will s- is it, send is it like you. like two day prime shipping? Yes. They'll send it to you. They'll have a drone drop it off. <laughs> it's unbelievable how apparent some things seem to me in government that just somehow don't get fixed. I yeah, don't get it. There's a lot of those things that are obvious and have so much public support and they just don't do it. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't get it either. Well, it all comes down to lobbying, really, right? Like pharmaceutical yeah, so, companies. Someone's paying them a lot of money not yeah. to do things. Pharmaceutical companies and alcohol companies do not want marijuana to be legal. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a stealing their profits. Like literally, in the case of pharmaceutical companies, directly stealing their profits for a lot of medicines, a yeah. lot of medications. Did you see that video where they were searching the hospital room of someone who had like stage four pancreatic cancer and they were searching their hospital room for pot? No. You should look it up after the Where is this? Alabama? I don't, I don't remember where it was. But it has to be. There's certain states that you, you still like. You go to jail if you have a gram of weed. Yeah, in. yeah. It's like Alabama. It's like it's like the Southern Belt, pretty much. Texas, yeah. I think, is even pretty bad. Yeah, I know Houston. I think decriminalized it up to like some ridiculous amount. But I think I mean, if you go to West Texas, yeah, it's definitely. By the way, decriminalization. Could there be a more useless fucking thing? <laughs> Could there be a more useless thing? You're li- like, that's you're literally saying it's not illegal to have it, but the only way you can get it is by committing a crime. Yeah. <laughs> what? You just don't question how they got it. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't get it. It's that's another thing that's like what? Decriminalization? What does that even mean? It just means you woke up this morning and there was marijuana in your pocket and there's no earthly explanation for how it got there. It was an act of God. Yeah. That, that put it there. My God. But all right, we should <laughs> probably talk about less about weed and more about Crude Dragon. First, That's true. I want you to tell – I saw tons of publicity for this. Mm-hmm. What is so important about it? Can you educate me and everyone yeah. else? So simply what is so important about it is this is maybe not the first step but the first real – big, you know, screw it. it is the first step towards getting Americans launching from American soil on American rockets. So basically right now to get to the ISS, we pay Russia, I think $60 million in that range per seat to get an astronaut to the International Space Station. We've been doing this since 2011 when we shut down the, um, the, the space shuttle, when we decommissioned that. So for 2011, you know, a couple times a year, we pay Russia $60 million. So now we actually have this capacity, this capability to launch Americans on American rockets from Florida again, not have to go on the tiny Soyuz rocket and involve Russia, and we can get to the ISS whenever we damn well please. Mm-hmm. Now we're not shooting people off yet, right? There's still some not testing yet. to be done. Not so yet. what has actually been done so far? So we will be launching on a Falcon 9 rocket, which has been tested and flight-proven Dozens of times. And these are the this, ones that can land themselves, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. The reusable ones that land themselves. Um, we've been launching a, um, a cargo capsule on those uh, rockets to re- resupply the ISS. And we've done that uh, 20 sometimes, probably maybe 30. This is a new capsule 
the Crew Dragon capsule, which is retrofitted to take people. It's a totally different design. Uh, it's designed to dock autonomously with the International Space Station. So basically, you push the button to launch, and you pretty much don't have to do anything else the entire time. The rocket will fire. The capsule will separate. It will initiate an orbit to get it to dock with the ISS. It will dock. It will open up. Astronauts can come and go as they please. And then, obviously, the capsule survives reentry, so the astronauts can come back down. And you can fill it with cargo, scientific experiments, whatever you want to bring back down. And so after the capsule leaves the, the rocket, the rocket returns to the Earth? Yeah, right. The, the first stage, yeah. Okay, now this is something else I saw that's, that's awesome about these new Dragon, these new uh, SpaceX sort of rocket-slash-capsule combinations. Um, they incorporate something called the Super Draco Thrusters. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit. Are those the the four thrusters around the, yeah. the outside? Yeah, the, the thrusters themselves I don't care too much about. But, but what's really interesting to me is that they have sort of packed inside of them a launch escape system mm-hmm. which if there's any problems with the Falcon 9 rockets the capsule will immediately get blasted away yeah. from the, the Falcon 9 rocket to preserve yeah. the astronauts so you hopefully will can prevent a Challenger type disaster in the future yeah, so every rocket, essentially, other than the space shuttle, because it wasn't really feasible in the space shuttle, but every rocket that has a capsule has a launch abort system. So if you look at Saturn V Mercury rockets, um, they have this really tiny, pointy nose thing at the top, and that's actually the launch escape system, and it has a thruster in it that will separate the capsule from the rest of the rocket and then take it, I don't know, like a half mile away or something, reorient it, and then that'll fall away allowing the parachutes to come out and the capsule to land safely. Um, that was actually demonstrated back in September, October with the failed Soyuz launch. Uh-huh. Um, they used the launch abort system successfully. That was the first time I think they'd ever actually had to use it in flight. Um, but SpaceX has redesigned it so they don't have that tall pointy part um, because that part has to be jettisoned eventually, so you don't have it the entire time. Once you're above the atmosphere, above a certain threshold, it falls away, and then you don't really have abort capability. Um, the way uh, Crew Dragon is set up is that it doesn't fall away. It's built into the actual uh, vehicle itself. So you actually have abort capability throughout your entire stay through orbit. So it never falls away. So Crew Dragon is in its primitive stages, I guess. Not too primitive, right? Because it's, it's successful. No. It's, it's done many tests successfully. But in terms of bringing yeah. humans... Right, we're yeah, at they the early phases. Right. And they, they do have a few systems they're going to change out. I think they're going to switch around the parachutes to to another design, and some of the avionics, I think, are going to be switched out but for the, the crew mission. They are planning on humans later this year, right? Yeah, hopefully by the end of 2019, definitely early 2020. You know what I love about SpaceX, and particularly any private industry in spaceflight today? How damn fast they move. Yeah, it's awesome well, if, to me. If if they had it their way, they'd move a lot faster too. But NASA sort of steps in as like you know, the the wise older parent and says, "Let's make sure you hit all the boxes and you did everything that we wanted you to do." How much of that do you think is necessary? Do you think it's overdone? Do I don't think, think it's you overdone. Have, you have to you have to have a little bit of chaos. What do you think? I think I think it's a good give and take relationship. NASA is very. Bureaucratic, very by the book, very much, you know, we have to do it this way, this is the way we've done it. 
or SpaceX is like the new upstart, you know, kid. They just want to go and do it. They want to fail. You know, they, they like, they like to blow up rockets, you know, then you learn something about it. NASA doesn't want to blow up a rocket in any, in any, you know, possibility. So SpaceX is sort of being reined in by NASA while also pulling NASA forward and forcing NASA to change and adapt and innovate at the same time. So I think it's a good relationship for both of them. They, they both can learn from each other. Yeah. NASA also has some PR to be careful of. Right. Exactly. Like a NASA, failed rocket. NASA has funding. Yeah. yeah. A failed launch yeah. is not a good thing for funding. Yeah. You don't exactly. want to convince the public that you're failing every single time you pour millions of dollars into something. Yeah. And that likely has a lot to do with it. But I don't know. I always, I always wonder this when it comes to like ethics, science ethics. Like how there's a, there's a give and take, of course, but at some point, I almost feel like you have to be a little bit more on the on the side of caution or n- uh, not caution rather. I think NASA's too cautious. I think you have to be a little bit on the on the side of 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 giving things a shot. Yeah. Right? And the reason I say that is because if you look at the space race, that's what we did. That's why <laughs> we got to the moon in the time scale that we got there. Was because now well, of we course we also had a lot more funding too. That's true. And many people died in the race. Well, many people, people got died. injured in the race. Um, and that's a problem, right? So that's obviously not the right balance. The right balance is not to not worry about regulation at all. But it's also to not worry about regulation too much. And so I wonder if over the last 20 years, NASA has worried too much about bureaucracy. I don't think that they've worried too much about that in terms of being cautious. I mean, you mentioned ethics and, you know, the priority is to keep is public safety. You know, that's, that's the number one goal. And so if you're launching humans, you know, it needs to be tested and rated to a certain standard that it doesn't have to be if it's, if it's uncrewed. Right. Uh, and then you can take more risks and, and be a little bit more adventurous with it. But I wouldn't say that the safety is what's holding them back. I think it's more the changing hands of leadership and not really having a clear defined vision. Uh, like in the sixties, I mean, the vision was to put a man on the moon and return him safely by the end of the decade. You know, I mean, uh-huh. that's about as clear cut as you can get right now. The mission is okay. We want to sustain the ISS and do as much science on it as possible. Um, we'd like to go to Mars, but we think we have to go to the moon first. And we'd also like to help private companies sort of get their foot, uh, their foothold in low earth orbit. And that's kind of it. It's really generalized. It's not specific. It's not clear cut. So it's it's really hard to get a focus and a and a, and a mission. When that's you a good lesson. That's a good lesson for life, actually. I think. Yeah. Is that you? You should have really pointed, not really general, but but yeah. specific goals in mind. Yeah. And a specific At least in the short term. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so that brings us to the lunar gateway. Yeah. Can you explain to everyone what the Lunar Gateway is? So the Lunar Gateway is basically going to be a smaller space station orbiting the moon. It will be, it will not be manned continuously. So the International Space Station has human presence continuously. We've had humans on the International Space Station for 18 years and counting now. Uh, Lunar Space Station will be smaller. It will be partially built and funded and partnered with private industry and private companies. Um, as well as international partners. It'll orbit the moon. We'll have astronauts on it maybe for weeks or a month or two at a time and then they'll leave, and it'll be semi, it's semi-autonomous is what they call it. 
Uh, basically, it allows us to do more experiments without in the in the deep space environment, where we can get the radiation that you'll be exposed to on a trip to Mars. Uh, the International Space Station is within Earth's magnetosphere, so your radiation levels are pretty low. Uh, and it will also facilitate us going to the moon, um, finding resources and sites to to land and actually settle and colonize the moon. Yeah. So recently, Canada got on board. Yeah. So they pledged. I mean, it's like. billion over 20 years or something like that um, to support the gateway. And of course, being Canada, they're going to build Canada Arm 3, which is their robotic arm. So they've built one for the space shuttle. And that was the one that maneuvered everything in the payload bay. There's Canada Arm 2, which is on the space station right now, which moves the visiting vehicles around. It helped build the space station when modules were coming up. And now they're going to build the very adventurously named Canada Arm 3, which will be attached to the lunar gateway and basically do the same thing with modules around vehicles, that sort of thing. So I want to talk about the reason they're doing this. First off, one thing that sticks out to me that relates mm-hmm. to the top, the conversation we just had is that they say they want to achieve the lunar gateway completely in 10 years by 2028. Yeah. Right. And they say it, that's their mission statement. It's all over their website. It's all over their documents. By 2028, we want to have this completed. So first off, I think that's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah. They set a goal. They it's set clearly a, defined. It's clearly defined. Now, there's a lot of criticism about it because <laughs> yeah, there is. it's not clear to many people what this will actually achieve in the long term. Yeah. So, uh, well, first we'll go over what NASA wants to use this for. Okay, the first, they they have essentially four bullet points, five bullet points that that, that they focus on: groundbreaking science. Now, w- one of the criticisms with this groundbreaking science, okay, is that you don't necessarily need to design this. Lunar orbital platform, I think is what it used to be called. That's what it's stuck in my head as. The gateway, we'll call it. Um, you don't need to design the gateway in order to study the surface of Mars. And in fact, you could probably do it much easier by just going straight there. So what are the proponents? How, how is this supposed to aid us in studying surface features and studying magnetic fields and studying atmospheric conditions how does this help us study the moon compared to just designing some some lander or some rover to just go straight there to go and land on the moon yeah and and study that way that's a good question i don't really have the answer for that i know you can study i don't know what the solar wind conditions would be i guess if there's any sort of magnetic field um i don't know Yes. So this is yeah. That's one of the parts where this is lacking because you're not the only person to say that, right? There are many, many people, and not just you know random members of the public, but people in the space flight aerospace community. There's one of the big people um, is George Abbey, and he used to be the former uh, center director of Johnson Space Center, and he said I saw him speak last week, and he was asked about the gateway, and and basically his thoughts were well. You know, God has given us a satellite that, that orbits around the Earth. Um, I don't know 
why we don't just utilize that natural satellite. We don't need to build a space station to orbit a space station. That's basically what he said. Basically saying, you don't, you know, the moon is already there. Why don't we just utilize the moon instead of building this other thing to go around the moon? It's a really good point. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic point. And, and to that, I'll, I'll mention Michael Griffin. And I wrote his quote down because I, th- I thought it was interesting. He's a former NASA administrator. And he said, Putting a gateway before boots on the moon is, from a space systems engineer standpoint, a stupid architecture. Okay? He thinks that achieving the gateway does absolutely nothing for space exploration in the long term. He sees it as a... I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'll say like the sort of consensus that, that I see from people like him is that they see it as NASA looking in the future and trying to pick something that seems easily achievable as opposed to something that seems hard, but when it's achieved, very important and groundbreaking. Yeah. Do you think that's what, what it is? They're just trying to get a win? Uh, it does seem like an easy win. I mean, we know how to build a space station, so they want to do a smaller version of that farther away. We know how to get to the moon. We've done it before. you know. So it does seem to me like a bit of an easy win. I mean, I do think there are there are benefits for sure. I don't know if they outweigh the cost. I don't know if it would be better to just land on the moon and build some sort of habitat. Um, I do think going to the moon is the right step before going to Mars, simply because that is a heck of a lot farther than the moon is. Um, and at the moon, you can simulate a lot of the conditions that you'll experience on Mars, where you have only three days to get back instead of six months. Yes. So I, I do think that is that's an important going to the moon in general is important. Um, the gateway, you know, I'm not totally sold on it. Uh, I think it's a cool idea. I'd be excited to to help work on it, but I think it'd be just I think it'd be cooler if we built a habitat on the moon. I, lo- I love how all you, of our effort into that. I love how you try to preserve employment in that comment. You're like, <laughs> you're like, I don't well, fully, I don't, I don't know if I fully support it. I, it'd be cool to work on, but I don't know. It would be, it would be cool to work on. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I agree. I would pass up that opportunity. It's just interesting how you squeeze that in there. Like, <laughs> I can send you my resume. Uh, my email is uh, Nate Stewart at rice.edu. My <laughs> actually, it's, it's Nathan Robert Stewart. Oh, isn't yeah. that something? But. Mars Society, the Mars Society, the founder, uh, Robert Zubrin, he says very similar things. He says it's NASA's worst plan yet. He says, we do not need a lunar orbiting station to go to the moon. We do not need such a station to go to Mars. We do not need it to go to near-Earth asteroids. You don't need it to go anywhere. So there's a lot of contention about this. But I do agree with you about something. I think it's smart to go to the moon first, before you go to Mars. Because there's a lot we don't know yet about the complexities of traveling through large distances and bringing cargo and bringing humans and bringing resources with us. We don't know much. The Apollo and the, and the human element of, of just being isolated for that long. Yes. I the mean, Apollo missions simulate on the moon. The Apollo missions were not done, you know, over a long enough time scale with enough people, with enough cargo to simulate what a real exploration of asteroids or mars would look like and so for that reason if you want to be safe and if you want to have success on your first try it's sensible to go to the moon first yeah it's a practice run but from a standpoint from me as a young person 
saying that this project will take 10 years and then saying that this project can help us learn stuff about traveling to different bodies and then coming up with the trip to Mars and saying, okay, maybe we'll get our first rockets off the ground towards Mars in 2040. Maybe we'll get there and have return missions by 2070. You know, this isn't what NASA's saying, but but if we're looking at this time scale, I'm, I don't know if I love it. Yeah, I'm not in love with it either. It doesn't seem like there's a fire, you know, under anyone's anyone's butt. Yeah, do you think it's a fear of failure? Do you think it's a fear of, of like, this organization, NASA, not just NASA, but every science organization, I see, what I see is a systemic fear. They're afraid to take chances. Because they don't want to fail. Because if they fail, they're afraid that they'll lose money that they barely have now. What do you think yeah. it is? Why Why do you think there's a systemic fear involved in trying these big projects? SpaceX is willing to do it. Elon Musk wants to get to Mars tomorrow. Yeah, I would say the fear is probably public funding and public support. I mean, there's been a lot of people that, that look at the space program and they say, why are we spending the money doing this? The public doesn't really understand the ins and outs, the details of how much money we spend on it each year, how much return we, on investment we get uh, each year. And so I think people are, are just trying to keep things that have a good PR rating and won't rock the boat too much. Um, maybe, and I don't know if this is, this is true or not, but it seems like maybe people are starting to say, let's let the private companies take those big swings, you know, and if they miss, it's not such a big deal and we can support them on it. I mean, that is, that is a large part of Gateway is to involve private companies. And so whereas the International Space Station was in a consortium of international countries, this is going to be a consortium of, of commercial partners as well as international uh, governments. So maybe, maybe that's their way of sort of helping them say, look, we can get you this close to the moon. You know, you guys can figure out how to do this. And then, hey, Elon, you know, do you want to build a habitat for someone to live on the moon? You know, hey, Bezos, would you like, to build, you know, some sort of transportation or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Here's my fear as a scientist, though. As someone who's interested, mildly interested in aerospace, and seeing you, who is very interested in, in the future of aerospace in general, of NASA, my, my fear is that these private companies have a vested interest in getting us places. Whether it be ego, whether it be commercialization, whatever it is. They have an interest in getting us to the moon and getting us to Mars. But here's what they don't have an interest in, in my mind. Hard science. What can you yeah, discover I mean, when you get there? It doesn't make any money. Exactly. This yeah. is why NASA is, exists in the first place. It's because science doesn't make any money. So the only way it can get done is by subsidies. Companies mm -hmm. aren't going to do it. You're going to have to create an entity like NASA that you're willing to give money to to study these things because you recognize that it does the public good. And it does do the public good. But yeah. it doesn't get return on investment tomorrow. It gets return on investment. And yeah, I don't 10, think... 15 years down the line. But I don't think NASA a does a good enough job or any space flight community or any science community does a good enough job explaining that to people. You know, you yeah. look at CERN where the World Wide Web was invented. You look at the Apollo missions where the, the handheld screwdriver was invented. Not the handheld, the handheld screw gun was invented. Yeah, power drill. Power drill, whatever you want to call it. Don't, 
You come in here and you think just because you live in Texas, you know the names of tools better than me. <laughs> what do you do? Woodwork? I told I am the least handyman that has ever lived. Yeah, me too, pretty much. What did I build recently? I feel like I built oh, this sign behind me. Hey. I built this. I bought it. Here's what I did. I bought this background thing on Amazon, this picture. And then I had these letters. I bought those. And then I drilled the letters into the wood. Hey, that's impressive. That's called handy handiness. Yeah. My my biggest accomplishment was I hung up some photos over here on the wall. I was really proud of that. Oh, good job. Thanks. <laughs> you are one of the only men I know who has eight men nailed into their wall. <laughs> There's one woman. Well, I'm sure you have a man somewhere else in the room. Well, underneath that, there are six men in one photo. So how many men total do you have nailed on your wall? Nailed? <laughs> 13. You have 13 men nailed on your wall? Yeah, That's but then there's men. also some hung with tape as well. Well, how many men so total that's are that's on that's, that's four here. There's another six here. There's another six there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven there. <laughs> another five there. And then there's Ryan Gosling twice. So, so how many is that total? Give me a sum. <laughs> at least 20. You have 20 men on your wall. At least. There's there's two or three women, though. One, two, one, two, three, four, five. There's five women. Hmm. Hmm, I see. Okay. There's, there's a lot more male astronauts than there are female astronauts. And do you have a girlfriend currently? I, I don't want to answer this question. I see where this is going. No, I mean, I I'm, just trying to get, I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> I also have two skeletons, though. So, I don't mm. know if that's all. Mm. Do you dress up like Ted Bundy at night and walk around Houston? <laughs> I don't. There's also a donkey. Ah, I see. Uh, is it is it cut open and its innards are hanging out because you mutilated no, it's it? Just, it's just it's just walking. Mm-hmm. I th- listen. I'm not a psychologist, but I think that there might be some problems here. <laughs> you have 40 men on your wall. You have two women. <laughs> That's not the correct number. You have mutilated animals. That's not true. Jeez, Louise. I have Yoda. But the back to the Lunar Gateway. Yeah. I am torn on this. Because this is a lot of money. How much? It's like 400 some million dollars spread over 10 years. I think that number's it's probably, right. It's probably more than that. Yeah, that, that doesn't even seem like it's high. The ISS is 100 billion. Probably like yeah. So that's a billion. that's a chunk of NASA's budget, right? Like a yeah, decent but chunk. But they're also they're also spreading that cost around. Like uh, you know, Canada gave one point four billion. You know, ESA is going to give a lot. Jax is going to give a lot. I assume Russia is going to want to be a part of it. Um, and then the private companies too. So it's it's still going to be it's not going to be the investment that the ISS is, and there's going to be less cost in maintaining it as well. Um, but I think. You know, Gateway's cool, but I don't know why they aren't just trying to build a habitat on the moon. That's what I would do. I would take all the money and manpower, and I would just build something where you can land someone on the moon and have them live there for six months. Because that's how you're going to simulate Mars. That's how you're going to know if you're prepared. Yeah. I try agree. to grow some food. Try to get some fuel. Yeah. Fig- you had China. What, did China grow cotton in their little biosphere? A little, little thing, yeah. It didn't survive what, very long, right? But 
I don't, I don't know. It wasn't their goal for it to survive very long, I don't think. But yeah, so the point is, there's all this cool science going into the moon right now. And in fact, we have this Israeli satellite, and what's the name of I'll it? Let, I'll let you pronounce it. Oh, it's pronounced uh, bear shit, I think. I don't think that's correct. It's pronounced, it's spelled B-E-R-E-S-H-E-E-T. I would have I would have said bear sheet beer sheet no I think it's bear no I talked to someone at, in Israel and they were saying it's bear shit yeah yeah okay so I mean I don't <laughs> listen I I don't make the rules here okay I yeah. just tell you what I know and as far as I know it's just as far as I know it's pronounced bear shit okay I'm gonna call it the Israeli mission yeah and what that does that be- even mean in that's uh like that translates to Genesis or something. No idea. Something like that. But they're sending a a, a spacecraft there right now. It's yeah, supposed it's to get lander. there in early April, right? Yeah. And it'll land, and it's expected to last two days, dose days. Um, and it's just gonna report some useful information, like magnetic field information. Uh, what what else do they have? Magnetic field. They're gonna put a, a reflector. They're sending a time capsule. Yeah, I saw that. They have an entire copy of Wikipedia. Yes, there. I know. I'm not really sure why. And you know what okay. I thought was interesting? <laughs> this is what's what? interesting to me. They sent the English version of Wikipedia. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Specifically the English version. Huh. Which, I don't know why that interests me so much, but I feel like <laughs> you had many choices there, and you chose America, the most powerful country in the world. <laughs> because the English language doesn't belong to England anymore. Nope. That's ours. It belongs to us. And those damn royal families can eat a... Well, they pronounce half the words wrong anyway. They do. What do they say? They say... What do they say? What what words don't like, they know? When it's, when it's cold outside, they put on a jumper. What? Does that make sense? Yeah. What Their does that mean? A coat? Are, it's, it's, a, it's a sweater. First off, who even wears sweaters? So let's start no there. One. People in England. Stupid English people. And they, 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 they literally, live in flats. What do they do? They worship an old woman. <laughs> I don't know if they worship her. The most powerful woman in the country is in a nursing home. I don't think she really has that much power. Explain that I to she's, me. I think she's just a figurehead. And who else do they got? They got uh, that guy who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. That, that guy's twin. Carson Wentz, his twin. What's his name? Um, Prince Harry. <laughs> they got that guy. Who else? Well, they have that the rapper that got deported. Oh, you're talking about Takashi Six Nine? Yeah, he's in that family somewhere. No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's a different yep. guy. They placed him in a witness. Isn't protection. that guy like in prison or something? Yeah, they placed him in witness protection. In the royal family. <laughs> he's bla- he's he's dressed up as one of the queen's dogs. I think is what I heard. Oh, uh, who else do they have? Uh, Ludacris is over there. Who else? Uh, Missy Elliott, I think, is over there. She's singing. The Spice Girls. They're over there. Um, who else? Who else is in the royal family? I don't even know anymore. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, he's in there. Um, that might be it. That might be the royal family. That's about all I know. Yeah. yeah. So, what did we even bring that? Oh, bear shit. That's right. Um, <laughs> yes. So, 30 million pages of data in their digital time capsule. Maybe that's for when they do build a habitat on the moon. It'll keep the astronauts occupied. Maybe it's for when the people on this planet eventually blow themselves up. 
and then an <laughs> alien race can come here and discover Wikipedia. It's all preserved on the moon. Oh, shit. If you are advanced enough to be able to travel amongst star systems and you have not yet discovered Wikipedia, you're done. <laughs> are you really an advanced That's going to change everything, yeah. <laughs> Memories of There's Holocaust a... survivors, children's drawings. Get it. I'm going to puke. There's, there's a Bible and there's an Israeli flag, I think. How about the fact that you put children's drawings in there? <laughs> well, they sent a bunch of names to Mars, didn't they? With that, the NASA. The, can't think of the one that landed. I think it had like a digital thing that had all these people's names. Yeah, who? what names did they send? Ric Flair? Uh, <laughs> whoever, whoever signed up for it. They sent Hulk Hogan. Uh, who else did they send? Strictly WWE stars. Yeah, they sent Andre the Giant. They sent... Uh, yeah. And they put they put locks of their hair in there too, and little pieces of their underwear. <laughs> Don't think either of that is true, dude. I'm just telling you what I know, okay? But, uh, I can't just say everything the, I know is false. The, the bear sheet sent back a cool photo the other day. Did you see that one? No, I didn't actually. It's got a it's got the like I don't know if it's the Israeli flag and like something going on, and then it's got the Earth behind it, the full disc of the Earth. It's actually pretty cool, pretty cool little snapshot. You also check it out if you're listening. Also, there's a cool video I just watched before. This started about the orbit it's taking and how it's reaching the moon. So it's it's pretty. It's like five minutes. That's worth looking at too. I'll send it to you and you can post okay, it. Okay, yeah, I'll try to overlay it on this section of of yeah video. But oh yeah, because now you have video video editing powers. Yeah. Do you know why they did that mission? I don't know. Isn't it privately funded? I think it is privately funded. But do you know why it got funded to begin with? I have no idea. This is actually really interesting. It got funded because Google was holding a competition. Oh, the Google X Prize? Yes. And they were giving $20 million to the first company that could land uh, a lander on the moon. And the deadline was March of 2018. March 31st, 2018. So, no one got the prize. (laughs) But because they were already pretty much all the way built... They just decided to send it anyway. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And they're still going to be considered the winners of the prize, but they're not going to get the money. money. (laughs) (laughs) It's like getting a participation trophy. Isn't it great how Google just puts out these uh, challenges that no one can ever meet just so (laughs) they can seem like good people, but in reality, they don't intend to ever give anyone money? (laughs) Don't be evil. Because that was literally the goal. What about Hayabusa? Hayabusa. That's uh, an asteroid sample. Racist. (laughs) That's a racist. It's a fun name. Racist. I don't even know what it means. You said it in a Japanese accent. I didn't. I just said Hayabusa. I said it in in an excited tone. You sounded sounded like you were at a hibachi restaurant. (laughs) Hayabusa. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know either. It means something. It's probably some (laughs) anime shit. You know what sucks? All right, I'm coming clean. I think that's racist. Yeah, I'm coming clean now. Anime is shit. If you watch it, you suck. That's it. And listen, I've said it before on here. I don't make that rule. I just know it, and I tell you what it is. Anime sucks. It is shit. If you watch it, (laughs) you suck. That's it. I would listen. If I made the rules, I would change them, but I don't make them. Okay, 
That's just what I know. God, anime is the dirt worst. Do you like it? I don't watch anime. Thank God. I, I haven't. I haven't really understood. Oh, is it because you're six years old or more? Is that I mean, why I you don't watch Pokemon it? Mom, when I was a kid. When you were six, you mean? Yeah. And let me guess: when you turned seven, you realized this shit sucks. I think I watched Pokemon until I was like thirteen. Oh, okay. Well, that explains why you have 18 men on your wall and zero women. <laughs> There's four or five. You need to get your facts straight. You're supposed to be a scientist. Come on. I have my facts straight. Listen. Spreading misinformation. I can't help what my sources tell me. And my sources tell me anime sucks. <laughs> but anyway, Hayabusa 2. Don't, don't say it like you work at a hibachi I just, I can't help it. I didn't even realize I was doing it that time. Hayabusa, that's what you said. It's just fun to say. That's okay, I'll never, I just can't say it. You said Hayabusa. I'll say, is this the Japanese one? Or you sounded like you got rejected from Harvard because you were Asian. <laughs> I think that would help me get in. No, it wouldn't. Didn't you, don't you know about this Harvard lawsuit? I don't, I don't know. Maybe you told me about this. They were admitting people based on standardized test scores, like every other useless university in this world. And they realized, oh shit, the only people we're admitting are Asians because they're so intelligent. (laughs) Then they do so good on standardized tests. So then they had to start discriminating against Asian people so that they could bring in other ethnicities like Dumb white kids. And I'm allowed to say that because I'm white. So And dumb. And yes. So <laughs> there you go. But So I should have applied for Harvard. Yeah, you might have got in. I actually might have stood a chance. <laughs> you could have. As long as they never heard you pronounce Hayabusa, because then they would assume. Yeah. Maybe that's how I got into race. Maybe that's what they did. Yeah. But I'm the dumb white person quota. I'm okay with that. Yeah, well it's true actually. They do need a dumb white person quota. Because yeah. you do need people to fail out, right? You can't have, do you? You, yeah, you can't have a, you can't have like a one hundred percent success rate, because then it looks too easy. So you got to bring in like a certain percentage of dumb white kids, and get us to fail out. You have to fail them out, and you want a couple of them to actually learn things so you can show progress and growth. That's correct. You want one of them to to make it through per year, yeah, per graduating class. The goal is to bring in like fifty or sixty dumb white kids. One of them makes it. Like, 40 of them become alcoholics. Um, all, they all join fraternities. That's required. Um, and then, you, at the end of the four years, you have one success story. But anyway, Hayabusa 2. It's actually really cool, if we ignore the anime references. Yeah. It's an asteroid return mission, okay? But do you know how it gets stuff off the asteroid? Shoots a little bullet into the asteroid. Well, yeah. It like sucks up the the debris. Do you know what kind Did of you, bullet? Uh, the an asteroid bullet. It's it's like a tant tantalum. Maybe that's the correct. What is that? I think it is. It's a, the point is it's a very special kind of metal. Okay, why would they not just use a regular bullet? I don't. I was going to ask you that question. Okay, this is this is an important thing. This is actually good. This is foresight if I've ever seen it. Okay, because if you were to use an iron bullet. Or if you were to use a steel bullet and you oh, shot it into it the asteroid, contaminate the samples. You would get back samples that had bullet fragments in them, and you wouldn't be able to tell it tell what was bullet and what was asteroid. So you use a metal 
that is not found on asteroids or anywhere. Ah. Some artificial metal that you can make or with some elements that are very rare. And so then you know, oh, I found a tantalum fragment. Must be from my bullet. Unless it turns out the entire asteroid is made of tantalum. Yes. Now, if people are confused and they're like, wait, why are you using bullets? The point of the mission is to return an asteroid sample. But the asteroid is hard. So you can't just go down to the surface and scoop because you're not going to get anything. Instead, what happens is you go down to the surface and as soon as it lands, it shoots a bullet into the ground. The bullet breaks up little fragments of rock. The spacecraft sucks in those little fragments of rock and then launches itself off of the asteroid. It's actually going to uh, orbit a little bit for a little bit longer around this asteroid. What's it called? Ryugu or some sh- something? I'm not going to try to pronounce it because you're just going to make me feel racist. That's the police coming for you because you're racist. <laughs> also, you should use your video editing powers and overlay the, the video of it shooting the, the asteroid. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So now what they're going to do is I, they're going to shoot. shoot. I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know if they have a special nether bullet that they're going to use, a different bullet, a different mechanism. But I think they plan to shoot the surface again, but this time from a distance. And the point is to expose the underlying rock. So that this time they don't just get the surface composition, but they also get the internal composition. So they're going to shoot the asteroid somehow to expose the underlying surface. Then they're going to come back down to the surface and scoop up those samples as well. That's pretty cool. The point is to understand what asteroids are made of. Is it, it's supposed to return next year, right? Is it 2020? Yes, it's a so, sort of short-lived... I don't know when it launched. 2014 no or something? I, no one knows. You know what? No one knows. You want to know why? Because it's an, it's named after some anime character. And zero people like anime. I'm going to Google what Hyabus means. We'll do it. What's it mean? I would mean like peace or friendship or something. So you just look like a bad person. Well, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying anime sucks. There's also... In, oh. How long does it take you to Google something? Or? It's the Japanese word for a falcon. A falcon? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's stupid. Oh. But... <laughs> Someone doesn't like birds. You know... Oh, the Atlanta Falcons? They suck. Who else? What other falcons can you think of? When I was a kid, I read the book My Side of the Mountain, and he had a falcon as a pet. And who did? helped him, the boy who lived on the mountain. What's his name? I don't know. He like ran away from home and what, he did lived inside of a tree. Are you sure you read it? Yeah, I read it like twenty years ago. What's his okay, name? Greg. That many years ago. No, I don't know what his name was. Uh, Charlemagne. But it's a good book. What's read his it. name? There's a sequel too. Was was he well, a rapper? I looked at it. No, Eminem. Sorry. What was his name? Let me Google it. You're the worst. You're literally the slowest Googler I've ever seen. Uh, but, uh, you're not even moving your fingers. <laughs> Sam Gribbley. Let's see, that's the first name that popped up. Sam Gribbley. That guy works at a bowling alley. I knew him as a kid, yeah. actually. In the 1950s. At Dude, a it's, such, it's, such, it's such a cool book. I well, love that book. No one's going to read it, so it's it's fine. Well, people, if you're listening and you like wilderness adventure stories, read My Side of the Mountain. It's great. You know who I think will read it legitimately? My mother. Yeah. Good, your mom will th- like it. I think if she's listening right now, she'll go read all about Sam Gribbley. Brenda, go read My Side of the Mountain. Don't talk to my mother. 
Too bad. It's not too bad, you racist. <laughs> not racist to talk to your mother. It's racist to talk like you work at a hibachi grill. It's <laughs> just like the word. When you don't. It's a cool word. You know what other word I like? My what? favorite word in the English language? Say it. Eucalyptus. Really? It's just fun to say. What about ukulele? That one's cool too, but it doesn't have the tiss part. You should name. Are you gonna have a kid one day, or probably not? Because all those probably not. But um, (laughs) unless the miracles of modern medicine can allow you to have a child, and listen, there's no homophobia here. Okay, I'm okay with it. You just haven't told me. Like you never came out and told me before. I haven't. I haven't told myself yet. And I just want you to know. Let me work through that. And I just want you to know that it's okay. To tell me, okay? Okay. And I won't make fun of you, and I won't say anything mean. On the next on the next podcast, instead of talking about space, I'll just come out for an hour and a half. Okay, good. Well, you already did by telling everyone that you have 60 <laughs> men on your wall. You keep inflating the number. You have 60 men on your wall. And how many women did you say? One? Five. Now you're inflating the number of women, because I'm pretty sure you told me.